Welcome to Your Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to you. The podcast dedicated to providing you with tips, tricks, and resources to live life you want. Your Next Chapter provides you with people who are living rad and inspirational lives to gain insights from to conquer the next chapter of your life. Whether you want to start a business, a new career, get in the best shape of your life, or create better routines and structure for yourself, Your Next Chapter provides you with guests to help you draw inspiration, insight, and wisdom from to lead the life you want. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today's guest is Maxine Friend. She is a psychic. I know some of you might be thinking, what am I doing bringing a psychic onto the show? But let's be honest, when we're making life decisions and moving forward with things in our lives, using our intuition is one of the best barometers we can use. I thought there'd be no one else better than a psychic to come onto the show and talk to us how to tap into our intuition. I've known Maxine for many years. She's blown my mind with the things she's told me about myself, not knowing any of these things from the past, clearly on her ability. She's got a six-month waiting list for clients. She's been on TV, featured in newspapers, magazines, so she knows what she's doing. So without further ado, here is Maxine Friend. I have Maxine here on the line here with me. She's joining us from Vancouver. Maxine, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Philip. It's an honor to be here. I like to start off the podcast by asking my guests if your life was a book title, what would your book be called? Wow, that's quite a question. Um, I would say that if I had to choose a book name, it would be Living Beyond the Lens. Living Beyond the Lens. I like where this is going. And tell the audience a little bit about what do you currently do? Like, what chapter are you in right now? And what do you do in your day to day? Well, currently right now, I work as a psychic. I'm also a certified life coach and a Reiki energy practitioner. Let's get into the stigma of a psychic right away, because a lot of people may hear like the word psychic. It's like, what does that mean, right? Like, I'm sure you hear all the stereotypes, like this is your profession in your life. So, like, elaborate a little more, one, like, what a psychic does and what you do in your day-to-day, and two, kind of like, what are some of the stigmas and stereotypes you run into in a day-to-day when you tell somebody about what you do? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so going back to the book, uh, the question, that, the wonderful question you had, Living beyond the lens is basically what that uh, refers to. It's that living most of my life and having a very unorthodox career um, where people have certain stereotypes that they attach themselves to the titles that we give ourselves in this lifetime. So for me, I'm a psychic. Um, When you ask to break down what that is, basically you're reading energy. So I come from, you know, the background that I believe that we all have the ability to read and decipher energy. But when you, you know, do this as a career, you're basically, you're, you know, this is something you're practicing on a regular basis. So if you were someone who loved working out, you would go to the gym every single day and you would probably get, you know, nice muscles and be very actively conditioned. 
And it's the same with any kind of energy work. The more that you're able to read and decipher energy, the better you become. And when you say read energy, would you be doing like tarot card readings? I know when we actually talked about like you don't do the whole crystal ball thing. Like talk a little more in depth about your process. Like if I were to come to you for a reading, how does that look like? Do I show up in person and what medium do you use to facilitate that reading? Uh, well, I actually offer in-person readings and I do actually work with tarot cards. I use a very traditional deck called the Rider Waite deck. It's a very old traditional deck. And I also offer readings on Skype and over the telephone. So a lot of people wonder, you know, how accurate a reading can be over Skype or the phone. But ultimately, it just comes down to, you know, reading energy. So when we pick up, you know, the energy of a person, you can do that in person or you can do that when you're connecting with them through technology as well. Well, even when we had our chat before this, you uh, asked about my dad, and I'm pretty sure I didn't say anything about him, but you're like, I'm reading some kind of mental thing, and he's really been dealing with anxiety like the last five years, and I was so blown away by the fact that even yet over a phone call, you could sense the energy of my father and what he's going through. Yeah, and let's demystify that for a moment. You know, I think that all of us have a feeling or a sense that we can't always put a finger on. But when you are someone who reads energy signatures all the time, you're able to pick up energy and you're able to sometimes not totally understand what's going on, but you sometimes pick that up. So, you know, to be fair, I didn't know exactly what was going on with your dad, but I knew that there was something going on mentally with him. And, um, you know, you were able to be kind enough to confirm that. You were able to have a little bit of dialogue about that. So, you know, demystifying reading energy isn't always about being completely right or dead on. And I think a lot of people are attached that if you're a real psychic, you have to have every single detail in alignment. And that just simply isn't the way it works, at least not with me. You know, you may pick up things and be able to read clearly. And other times, um, you know, your client will either fill in the gaps or confirm things for you. And other times they don't confirm anything and you just hope that the messages received were somehow helpful for them for the highest good of We talked a bit about this on our last call where you believe that everyone can sense energy. I guess some people are just more attuned to it than others and obviously you have a great gift with it. How Talk a little bit more about that. Like, you know, we all sense energy. What is your belief on that and how can maybe people tune into a little more? Like, how can they trust, I would call it intuition, how can you trust your intuition a little bit more? That's a great question. Um, I find a lot of people who have been through something a bit traumatic, if they've almost, you know, if they've lost a loved one or been through something a little bit more challenging in life, that we tend to step outside of linear pathways of thinking and we tend to move more into something we cannot see. Because almost everybody I encounter has some sort of story of something they can't explain, whether they believe it or not. You know, it's people say, Oh, I don't know if, you know, I really believe what you do, but you know, this one time and then I get told the story. Um, so I think if you're open and receptive to different experiences that you can't necessarily explain, you're going to be more open and receptive to the information that comes to you. 
if you're someone who's completely closed off and you don't believe, it's almost like that existence is just not there for you because you're not open to it from a conscious perspective. So if you want to become more open, it's wonderful to just, you know, start with just being open and receptive to what is around you and, and being open to receiving new information in new and unusual ways. For example, if there was a song playing that just seems to speak exactly to what's happening in your life right now, that could be a message, you know, lovingly guiding you um, to make a decision that would probably suit you better. You know, so there's all kinds of signs, I believe, around us in my experience, I may add. But I think we have to be open and awake to them. I totally agree with you. Let's get into a little bit of your earlier chapters. You come from a very corporate world, and so this wasn't something that you always did. Tell the audience a little bit about how that transition looked again, what your life looked like before you became a second full-time, because I think some people were going to question and doubt it. So I want to try to create a little more credibility about how established your practices and the referrals you've had and how, you know, the clientele you have and how committed people are to the help you've provided um, them. I should probably first off mention that I did not embrace doing this type of work at all. It was something I fought for for many, many years because of that lens, that stereotype of if you, you know, brand yourself or call yourself a psychic, you know, there's going to be people out there that think you're a little off or that maybe you're weird or, you know, that maybe you have a very, you know, you're not someone exactly grounded in reality. So it was something that, you know, I started having experiences as early as six years old, but I just would ignore it and think it was all just female intuition, no big deal. And growing up, all the people around me said, wow, like, how do you even know that? And so it's something I grappled for for well over 30 years of my life. It was just not, it was just not an identity I wanted to attach myself to whatsoever. And so, yes, I have a very corporate background. I actually used to work for a very prolific digital agency in downtown Vancouver. And you can imagine, you know, I'm, you know, working by day at this agency and, you know, seeing clients by the evening. So at the time I was working very long hours and I was kind of doing it in secret. Like I wasn't really telling anyone what I was doing. You know, I just wanted to help people really. And I was starting to gain a little bit of traction. And I just, you know, I didn't start up a business giving readings. Like it was just something, you know, I just started offering free readings and just, I kept being told, you know, by other people in the spiritual community that this is something I needed to do. And it just did not resonate for me. Like literally for 20 years, I would go to psychics and they would all say the same thing, that you're going to be this, you know, prolific reader in this day and age. And I just, it just, I didn't buy it to be frank. And um, so I started, I said, well, what do I have to lose? You know, I'm obviously very interested. And um, I should probably also mention that I lost my mom about 14 years ago. And there was all kinds of activity at the time that I couldn't explain. And so I started reading more books and getting more familiarized with, you know, um, spirits and just reading different books. And uh, as I mentioned earlier to you, Philip, I'm big on self-improvement books. Um, so I started, you know, actively informing myself. And what I found is there are a lot of stories and there's a lot of experiences that we cannot explain. 
And so as I delved into this world of reading, I just offered readings for free. And it just it became so popular that I had to charge, which was utterly frightening. So fast forward to me working at this digital agency, and here I have this, you know, little clientele on the side. And, you know, at the time I was working about 70 hours a week because I was wanting to help my clients and then also I was working a full-time job. Uh, so it was quite the transition. And your full-time job was like a very typical corporate job, like, you know, office job, very professional, Yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, actually, um, in the past, I ran my own consulting firm for four years. I've mostly worked with tech startups. Um, I worked in sales. Um, my first job in Vancouver was um, actually facilitating uh, research and development tax credits and, um, you know, working in the tax sector. And I was in charge of the French-Canadian market. So I've done all kinds of jobs, um, they're very corporate in nature, um, you know, doing all kinds of things. And I used to travel quite a bit for work. I've, you know, I've been a marketing manager, a sales manager. Um, like I said, I, I ran my own consulting business for four years. And I've also worked with tech startups. So I'm, I'm actually a pretty type A personality. I'm very hardworking, very organized. Um, I think there's that stereotype that if you're a psychic, you know, you're someone who's a little helter-skelter, uh, you know, you do a lot of meditation, and someone who wears patchouli, and maybe, you know, like a little bit hippie, and uh, I'm absolutely not like that at all, and so there's a lot of, you know, again, going back to the book cover of Living Beyond the Lens, you know, the stereotypes that are impressed upon society of what a psychic looks like. Or, you know, what kind of person is psychic? You know, a lot of times I feel like I'm, I'm in the process of really demysticizing those stereotypes because I just don't represent any of them at all. The book title is really interesting because you said you first started having this ability when you were six years old, and I guess you rejected it for almost 30 years. And I think a lot of people might be able to relate to that where you know, they have this identity where they want to talk to people about or express, but like maybe society or whatever social norms have told them to suppress it. Like talk a little bit about that struggle. What held you back from stepping into this maybe at a much younger age and accepting this as a part of who you are? Well, I think that, you know, we all want to be accepted in society and I think that we all want to be taken seriously. And I was always someone that worked very hard and wanted you know, the recognition of the hard work that I've done. So, you know, really trying to, you know, come into the identity of a psychic and understanding what the outside world, like what their perceptions is of that. I just didn't want anything to do with that. I didn't like the perception of, of that. You know, it, it just was something that repelled me. Because it's it's like, who's going to take me seriously if I do this type of work? Well, even for me as like a podcast host, when we first started talking about the idea of getting on the show, like I thought of my marketing and my brand and like, well, like how can people take me seriously? It's like, who am I to bring a psychic onto my show? And like, what is that going to say about the guests and who I'm bringing on here, right? And so, you know, I felt that even as like, and not anywhere close to what you would have gone through, but just like, even bring you onto this platform. 
Well, absolutely. And I smile as you say that because I think that's such a normal, natural reaction. Um, because we have to remember that when we're talking about energy, it's not like we can quantify it by actually seeing it. Right? So if we can't see it with our own eyes and we can't experience like how that information came to be, it's a little harder to, to qualify the information in the first place. So I think that a healthy skepticism is a normal, natural part of, you know, of that experience. And so, um, I think a healthy skepticism is just that. It's very healthy and you have to walk in with that until something resonates so deeply that you can no longer deny it. So, you know, I don't blame you. And, you know, as we move into authenticity and the people that we are, it is in fact your own intuition that qualifies the experience and says, is this the right person to have on the show? Or is this kind of a stretch for me? And am I comfortable with this or not? And so those are fantastic questions. I really want to know, like, is there a moment in your childhood where you really like read somebody or sensed something that was like that really made you know that you had a gift? Like, is there one experience that you can retell here that really made you aware of the abilities you had? Well, first off, when you're six years old and you're experiencing things, there's no adult to tell you that it's extrasensory or paranormal, like outside of what we would perceive as the normal lens. So when I would get feelings in homes or feel deeply uncomfortable around certain individuals, as a six as my six-year-old self, I thought everyone could do that, which is true, but in, in today's world, it's considered extrasensory ability. So as a six-year-old, I had absolutely no idea. My first memory that I can, you know, remember of something that I knew um, to be extrasensory was at 10 years old. I was playing in my grandmother's backyard, and I looked over at the garage roof, and I saw my grandmother's late husband. So this was her second husband, not my grandfather. And he was on the roof working. Now, I should make mention, I never met the man. He died the year I was born. Um, I had seen him in pictures, and that's why I knew who he was. And I was 10 years old, and I ran inside the house, and I said, Nana, Nana, I just saw Jack. And she was very quiet for a moment, and she said, What did he look like, dear? And I described him, and she was quiet for a moment, and then she brought out a picture of him and said, was this the man you saw? And I said, yes, that's him. And she she said, oh, that's nice, dear. Like she didn't, she didn't disqualify what I felt and saw, you know? She, she was, I think, more curious than anything else. So that was my first real experience that I understood that I saw something that maybe not everyone else sees. And on your mother's side, I read on your website that I guess there's a legacy or a gift, I'm not sure the proper wording for it, that this intuit, intuitive runs in your family. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, so there are lineages that, um, you know, in my, you know, based on my experience and what I've picked up spiritually, um, you know, that abilities can run through lineages of family members. Um, you know, so 
uh, I actually had no knowledge of any family members with abilities until about 10 years ago. Um, my aunt from Montreal uh, told me that my grandmother used to write, read tarot and give readings. And she did it for fun. It wasn't professional. And um, my mother, you know, she was a very scientific woman. So she she never did anything like that. Um, but my sister actually gives readings as well. Like she's an actual active, um, you know, professional psychic as well. Hmm, interesting. And so does it run in the family? Is this something that in your industry that there is a history of where it gets passed down from family members from generation to generation? Yes. Um, just would, It would be the same as if there was a wonderful musical ability or a wonderful artistic ability. So, you know, we see people who have served in the military for generations. Um, so I don't think it's any different than a lot of lineage or talents and abilities that get passed on through different generations. Interesting. I want to go back to when you were working at the tech company in Vancouver and you're working there full time during the day and you're starting to build up your clientele at night. And there was a point that we talked about in our previous conversation where it kind of you had to make a choice between the two. Talk a little bit about that because you weren't in a great financial position to really make this transition to move on to your next chapter from the corporate world into what you're doing. You really took a leave of faith. Tell the audience a bit about that, and I kind of want to dig into that some more as you tell the story. Okay. It was quite, it was quite the transition because, you know, being the type A control freak that I am, I had to have it perfect, you know, and I really was at that point – I had built up a clientele where I had about a six to eight week waiting list on a part-time basis. And at the same time, I wanted to buy a place. And uh, if anyone's aware, Vancouver can be a little pricey, but it was a goal of mine to purchase a place. And I figured that that would be smart, um, you know, as a gainfully employed person of almost five years. You know, can you imagine going to the bank and saying, I'm a self-employed psychic. Would you like to give me a mortgage? <laughs> so I decided to hold off a little bit in leaving my job, and um, I went through the process of finding a place to live, you know, saving the money uh, for the down payment, and basically, uh, once everything was aligned, I found a beautiful place in an older building downtown, but it really needed a facelift, it needed a full renovation. So I ended up uh, completely renovating the suite that I purchased. Uh, so it took about a month, uh, you know, to, you know, to, for it to be ready for me to move in because we literally deconstructed this thing down to the studs. Like it was like the concrete was shown from the ceilings and the floors. And so it was quite the process, um, financially and, you know, so to, to be prepared to make that transition. So there was a lot of delay and there was a lot of frustrations. And, uh, you know, I remember at one point I had to go into the supply closet at work and I actually started to cry because I was under so much pressure for my current job and with the, the pressure of my clients. I was dealing with six subcontractors and a contractor. You can only imagine, you know, what that was like. Um, but, uh, you know, eventually... I was able to make the transition. Um, so when I finally moved in, 
I remember I was so nervous putting in my notice because I had, you know, I had been working for this company for almost five years and I was actually very fond of the people I worked with. Um, it was, you know, really, it was a great place to be, but I had just outgrown the model completely. I was no longer mentally in that place. So I had to, you know, put in my notice and I even gave three weeks notice and, um, you know, everything was so executed down to the T. I used up all my vacation time. I made sure that I used up all my benefits. I mean, it was just, it couldn't have been more carefully orchestrated that trans, you know, and literally it took about, it was about a four year transition. So from, you know, about 2009 to 2013, I was slowly making the transition towards the job of my dreams. But when you did that, it wasn't all rosy and dandy because I believe last time we talked, you said you're about sixteen thousand dollars in debt with like your uh, renovations like that. And I guess there was a point with work where your success was starting to impact your job. I believe you said you were going to they want to take an office in Toronto. And you're like, well, I can't because I have like a month, one month waiting list or a two month and whatever it was, and you were getting some media publicity. So how did that look like when it came down to it near the end? You know, did you have to take a leap of faith? On yourself like did you feel fully comfortable and was it really like the way you expected it to be that four-year transition or was it still kind of like ugly and difficult when it all came down to it oh it was deeply uncomfortable because it became very obvious to myself that I no longer really wished to be there um, because of where I was at and I understood now that my passion was really this business of helping people and but because of the house and because of the renovation, I really felt obligated to stay. And like I mentioned, um, you know, I went over budget on my renovation. And so I was about $14,000 in renovation debt. And I remember I didn't even have countertops. And so I worked so hard, you know, four years. Imagine 70 hours a week, you know, except for when I took vacation. I would have Sundays off only. And I was so ready to transition. Like I said, I always say transition is not sexy. And this was deeply uncomfortable for me. And uh, while this was all going on, I did start to, you know, get some notoriety. I was in Metro Magazine. I was featured there. And I was also featured in um, a show. It's now called, I think, The Rush. But now at the time, it was called Urban Rush. And I was actually featured on television. Um, and so my boss wasn't too keen on the optics of what that looked like, you know, for me to be working for his company, but working actively, not only as a psychic on the side taking clients, which he was made aware of, by the way, <laughs> and um, but also, you know, transitioning and him realizing, wow, this is not just some small thing. This is, you know, she's on the radio and she's. You know, these things are starting to happen. So he became very uncomfortable with what that looked like. So meanwhile, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going through this renovation and I will never forget this phone call I had with my father. And I didn't dare tell him I was in, you know, this $14,000 of renovation debt with no countertops. And I told him that I was going to be leaving my corporate job to be psychic. And, you know, my dad's an old school guy. He worked for the same company for over 40 years. 
you know, has a secure pension and benefits. He's now retired. And I mean, he just thought I was out of my mind to make that kind of decision. So you imagine what that conversation was like. But within a year, I was able to get myself out of that renovation debt and uh, on my way doing work I absolutely love. So the transformation wasn't sexy. It was definitely emotionally there was a lot of struggle. And I think this is one thing that I, you know, if you want to share a little more about is just with my audience is, you know, like when you go to your next chapter, it's never going to be easy. There's never a perfect time for it. You never have that like, oh, this is the time to do it because it's never the right time, right? You just have to take that leap and go for it because the reality is that you can try like you did aligning for four years, but in the end, that transition is still going to be messy. Absolutely. And I should also mention I was working with a life coach um, who really helped me with that transition. And I mean, I remember one time I was on the phone with her bawling my eyes out saying, I can't do this. I can't stay in this company and see this project through of this house. And she said, stay the course, you know, just look at the long term picture. This is temporary discomfort for long term gain. And I mean, she was so right, but I'm, I'm really grateful to her. To this day, she was able to help me through that transition because it was a very, you know, difficult transition to even talk to friends about because they didn't really know what it was like. And it, it was very deeply uncomfortable. And there were times I wanted to give up. And that's, that's the truth of it. Well, anytime we're pushed to our limits, we definitely, the option of quitting, you know, it's easier to take that one out or to choose that option but it doesn't necessarily mean we have to take that option what it comes down to. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I was very attached to getting that mortgage approval and then getting that you know, renovation complete before I moved out of that corporate job. Um, so it was like almost a prolonged transition because of those choices I made. And at now, I have zero regrets. I'm so happy. Um, the way that that went down, but I also know that by the time I actually transitioned out of my job, I was way done. Like I was, I probably could have left a year earlier in terms of where my own personal development was and where my passions were, were being centered. Going back to the conversation with your dad, growing up, did you ever talk to him about your abilities or mention it? Did he see it? Like, I'm just curious to know, like, when you had that conversation like, hey, dad, I'm leaving my corporate job to be a psychic, like, did he have any inclination that you had that talent or gift when you were growing up? Uh, no. My my father, you know, he's like a traditional kind of old school guy, you know, he's a retired tugboat captain, um, you know, anything like, you know, on that sort of abstract realm is really kind of outside of his, of his interests. So uh, he knew I was doing work, uh, you know, from about 2008 on. He knew that I was giving readings. But I don't think he took it very seriously until I started getting a bit of notoriety. And then there was, uh, well, there was a particular instance where his, he was talking to me about his best friend. And I said, oh, there's something wrong with his heart. And um, three weeks later, his best friend had a heart attack. So I got a phone call that basically was a very stern conversation. Never tell me anything like that ever again. 
So um, he believes in what I do, but I think there's a bit of fear around it and a lack of understanding. But he actually now is quite supportive. Awesome, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, having the support of your parents and your father is one of the most important things. So it's good to hear that you come around on that. <laughs> I do want to get into a bit more of the work you do. On your website, you say you help people tap into the life that they can potentially be living, and that's really what fulfills you and what your work is. Talk a little bit more about that. How are you able to almost empower people to go after what they want? You know, when this journey started, it was more about just if I have any information from a spiritual place that can help people, I just want to pass that on. And then as my journey progressed in this career, I felt very drawn to becoming a certified life coach because what I realized is we need to marry the spiritual world with the with our physical realm, you know, that we live in. And so it's not sometimes enough to pass on messages from spirit. Sometimes it's important to provide people with real tools and books and, you know, things that can help them navigate this life. And then the, you know, then the perspective changed a bit as, you know, you grow and you learn and you understand people and what they're looking for. And so what I realized is instead of giving readings, it would be great to empower people to be able to read themselves and to be able to really empower them uh, to support them in the choices and decisions that they know they need to be making deep inside of their heart. Interesting. Mm. So, you know, it's one thing if you want to be an ongoing messenger of here are these messages, but it's another thing that we have to remember that we're in charge of you know, how we live our lives. I always call it the law of divine free will and our free will choices. And so at the beginning of every reading, I tell people, like, you're in charge here. You know, this is your life. And the cards that I put down before you and the messages I have do not dictate your life. That you're in the driver's seat. And these are simply messages to guide you in a very loving manner. So they're not there to dictate the outcome of your life. Because you're in the driver's seat, and that's for you to decide based on the choices and actions you take in this life. And so, yeah, when people ask about, is my life predestined, you said it's the law of divine choice that allows us the power to choose between where we go and what we do? Based on my experience, you know, and what I've been able to channel intuitively, um, I understand that there are certain predestined events that we're meant to go through in this life. But what's really important is that we also have to, how we react to those situations is what is known as the law of divine free will, which means our free will choices of how we choose to react to what happens to us is really what dictates the next leg or the next direction we head in within this lifetime. And so do your clients, do you provide them that information hoping to empower them to choose for? Like even for me, you said that you see TED Talks in my future. What I thought was really interesting because I didn't really tell you that. Like that's one of my ultimate dreams is to be able to build a platform that allows me to teach people and give a TED Talk, right? And so, but at the same time, like, you know, I struggle sometimes to be like, you know, is this growing fast enough? Am I really going to be able to make money off this and like move forward with my podcast? And so, you know, the choice of like, do I fold up or do I move forward with it? It's always something that I wrestle with and that's the doubt. And the more I go into this journey, I realize that, you know, this is my path, my destiny, and this is what I have to do. 
But I feel like there's always got going to be that voice a little bit. It's like, you know, can I make this happen? So is it almost a message of empowering your the people that you come in contact with to let them know that they have the abilities to move forward with what they're doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. As we mentioned, change is not sexy. And, you know, I think it's important to make mention that we do live in a physical realm. We're here on earth. We have bills to pay. We've got mortgages to pay. We've got mouths to feed. And sometimes, you know, the spiritual messenger, which that's all I am really, is just a messenger, um, passes on some, you know, information that we can't, you know, sometimes a message can be, you know, identified in different ways. So that's why it's important to be able to empower people to feel good about the choices and decisions they're making. But also we have to live realistically. We have to provide people with tools that are realistic within where we're living. You know, and Obviously, you know, you are going to be able to monetize what you're doing here. But we have to look, you know, realistically with how am I paying the bills? And that's why the transition is different for everybody. But the more that you trust and believe in your sense of purpose on a deep soul level, the better you will be guided in a faster way to be able to move into a position where that is possible. I agree 100% with you. But the fear is so real, you know, and I think it really comes down to, you know, in the Course in Miracles, which is a popular spiritual text, um, it basically says it comes down to two fundamental emotions that we live and perceive in this, in this lifetime, and that is one is fear and the other is love. So, and everyone asks me, you know, which one is more alive? And of course, the answer is like an old time tradition response is it's the one that we feed, right? So the more, the more we feed fear, this is, you know, this is a pretty well known expression in the spiritual community, it's not like I came up with that, you know, but it's it's basically like the more we feed fear, the more we're going to have to be fearful of. But, you know, these transitions of how am I monetizing this podcast? I know I want to do these things, but how? You know, that's those are the real questions that people want, and we need to kind of find, a, have a plan and have a way to do this if we want to make it happen. I totally agree. Like I just finished talking to this nutrition coach from Miami, Andy Sanchez. And so we talked about love and fear and, you know, how we live in either one of those two, right? And so she's all about gratitude and making sure that when we do live, you know, we're coming from a place of love because when you do, you come from a place of abundance and a place of belief and like your self-talk becomes a lot more positive and then you enjoy the simple little things and really the opportunities that exist. And you don't get to see those opportunities if you're coming at it from a place of fear and doubt and negativity, because those same opportunities, they're in front of you, but you're not seeing them as a chance to move forward in your life. That's 100% accurate. And the more you, I talk a lot about my clients, about the vibration that we carry, you know, so if we're vibrating at a certain frequency, the people that become around us, whether they be our relationships or our colleagues or, you know, the friendships in our life, um, you know, they become a vibrational match to, you know, who we end up, you know, attracting into our space. So I'm sure as you've made your transition, Philip, you probably notice new people cropping up all over the place, you know, when you move into that frightening yet very authentic place. 
props up a whole new, you know, uh, type of consciousness, meaning the vibration of, you know, the energy signatures of who we attract in our space becomes very alive and very real. Well, and even the people from the past that have come out of the woodwork almost to be like, hey, I really like what you're doing and have come forward and like reconnecting some people that were like completely out of my life and like they're coming from high school now and I haven't talked to them in like 10, 15 years or so. And it's like, wow, it's like these people are like now re-entering. It's interesting where those conversations lead and the impact that I'm having there. Yeah, it's fantastic because you're creating this fantastic dialogue that where people can dig deeper within themselves and start asking really relevant questions. A little bit ago, you mentioned the Course of Miracles. This is something we talked a bit about in our last call. Tell the audience a little more about what the Course of Miracles is. Uh, well, it's a really interesting text. Uh, it, it's an interesting story. I don't, I don't actually have their names offhand, um, but it's a beautiful volume um, where it was two Columbia University students who were in medical school, and there was a woman who started hearing a voice, and a gentleman decided to record everything that she was starting to hear. And it ended up being seven volumes worth of text material. It basically was coming from spirits. And she was channeling, which, by the way, is my, my abilities as a psychic, is I channel energy. And she was able to create this text that is basically coming from a place that explains, like, if we can live our lives, you know, in a certain way that we can really transform and, and see, see the world through a different lens. And uh, it actually comes with 365 lessons. So you take one lesson per day and you apply it in your daily life. And there have been many people who have applied this application. It even comes in an app now, like a, a phone app, um, where you can apply these teachings on a daily basis. Um, so it's a non-denominational, it's not religious of any sort, it's, it's, but it is spiritual in nature. The, the language that is used. Um, so it doesn't carry any dogma or any kind of attachment to any type of belief system. It's a very universal truth sort of speaking in spirit energy. So it's a, it's an incredible book um, with very profound teachings. And what's interesting is the people who come across it, it's kind of either by accident or the book falls in front of them or they hear about it through a friend. So it's one of those books where you know, it, it's kind of arrives or it gets delivered to you through consciousness, you know, through the people around you and the messages that, that are received, you know, through either recommendations or you're at the bookstore and you're just drawn to this volume of books. Is there a set of books or a scripture that, you know, in your industry, in the psych world, that are like fundamental teachings? Like I know in the yoga world, there's, you know, a set of books that are kind of like the core belief systems, is there something similar like that? Would it be the Course of Miracles, or does that even exist in what you do? For me, the Course of Miracles is a wonderful um, tool. I wouldn't say it's for everybody. Um, so the short answer is no. There is no, you know, the problem is there's, you know, nothing is in this industry has been regulated. Um, so there are tons of teachings and wonderful guides and teachers out there doing amazing work and offering beautiful courses and classes. However, we have to use our intuition to see which teachers resonate with us 
I, I can't tell you how many times I've purchased a book and then, you know, 20 pages in, I throw it away or I take a course and I just say, oh, this is not right. But we have to listen to what we feel drawn to. And I also tell my clients that, you know, to, to keep searching when it comes to healing and when it comes to knowledge. You know, as a psychic, you're only good as the knowledge you possess. So it's a lifelong quest of consuming as much knowledge as possible so you have that knowledge so you can understand what it is when you receive the information in spirit. So the short answer is no. There is no set doctrine or, or some sort of must read. But um, I would say a really useful guide would be to look at the people you admire within that field, whether that be, you know, an amazing, world-famous medium or someone you really admire and just gravitate to would be where you need to go. I do want to get into your clientele a little bit. So talk a bit, I know when we were on the call last time, what kind of people come to you for readings? Well, there's literally no stereotype whatsoever. Um, it surprises people when I tell them that there are, you know, very prominent figures coming in, you know, CEOs of massive companies, um, you know, doctors, lawyers, police officers, um, entrepreneurs, you know, there's like, there is no sort of set, uh, profession that kind of comes through the door. There are also no boundaries in terms of culture. I'm so blessed to have so many amazing, talented, beautiful people from all over the world. So I've got clients in Europe and I've got clients in Africa and Southeast Asia and Australia um, and even South America. So I feel very blessed to attract that kind of energy into my little community. Yeah, it's amazing that people reach out to you from all over the world to get your services. Oh, I feel so blessed and lucky every single day. I don't take a second of it for granted because it's just incredible to me how energy has no boundaries. And um, I actually was, you know, recently interviewed for a Swedish magazine. And there was a woman here visiting her daughter from Vancouver. And she came for an interview. And two days ago, I received the magazine in the mail and it was a pretty surreal experience to see a four-page spread completely in Swedish. So I, I, have no, I don't really know what they're saying, but it was really incredible to see. That was the first time for me to be in a magazine like that. And it was, it felt like, wow, this is really real. Like this is, you know, someone in Sweden is interested in what I do. And I just found that in itself to be incredible. That is amazing. I do want to ask, for you, what does your next chapter look like? One thing I really like to get into my guests is obviously, you know, you've established this profession, but what are you working on next or what are some of the next chapters for you going forward? Well, moving forward is, you know, the progression from doing one-on-one -on -one readings with, with uh, clients and really moving to the teaching sphere. And so that is going to give people an opportunity to empower themselves to trust the messages that they receive on their own. So really, the you know, the whole goal of what, what I want to be doing as a messenger is to empower people to really tap into their own intuition and, and empower themselves. And I think it would be amazing if people don't feel like they need to go to a reader at all. 
if they just knew how to tap into that, that that center, that spiritual center, that that language of information of energy, and be able to understand that language, and and say here, here are a set of tools, and here are some references tools um, to offer to help people with that. How does how do you tap into your intuition more? Like, what can people do to listen or harness their intuition? Well, one of the first things uh, that we have to do is to wake up. We need to we need to get to be awake. I see a lot of people now that are you know I love technology and I love my cell phone. I love my laptop, but there's a time and place, and I find it very sad when I see people watching you know excessively huge amounts of television. Or I'll see two people in a restaurant just staring at each other's phones. And I think, people, we need to be in the present. We need to be awake and alive and tasting the food that we're eating and experiencing the presence of the company that's in front of us. So the first step would be to, to really be in a, in a mindful place of real presence. And the second thing that I would recommend is really getting quiet and really getting into a place of stillness within ourselves. Um, so if that means, you know, taking a walk in nature, taking like a nice salt bath, which my clients know I love because it detoxifies the orc field and allows you to relax. Um, but we need more self-care. We need to take better care of ourselves. We need to get still. We need to be awake. We need to know what's happening around us. And the more awake we are and the more that we are able to carry our energy in the present tense, the more we can understand the subtleties of energies. I would say the third tip would be to meditate. And I know there's a lot of you out there going, oh my God, no. But um, there is a fantastic app that I would recommend called Headspace. It's a wonderful beginner's tool to anyone who's like me, very type A, and you know, gets distracted easily. And there's also some wonderful guided meditations on YouTube, and this is all free. So if you are interested in getting still and you know connecting to your higher self and moving to a place of stillness and quiet, you know there's more information than we available to you. In what shape or form do messages come? Like I know you mentioned a song earlier that you know might speak to you playing at the right time. How can we develop an eye to recognizing these messages? And maybe if you can talk a bit about the shapes and forms that come in, people have a better awareness of what to maybe sense in their lives. Well, everybody has a different set of abilities. So I've met, I've had the good fortune of meeting amazing, very talented psychics that I work with. So I do actually mentorship as well. Um, and everyone seems to develop in a different way. So just to give you like a few examples of different ways we can read and decipher energy, there's clairsentience, which just is a French word for clear feeling, which is um, in the solar plexus chakra, which basically indicates how we're feeling. So a lot of people who get physically ill, you know that expression, what does your gut tell you? You know, there's kind of, that's probably one of the most common um, spiritual centers. I mean, there's a whole host of them, but I'll just touch on that one. And that's where the solar plexus is in your, in your stomach. And so some people, you know, will feel 
a little off and they don't know why, or just in the presence of someone they feel deeply uncomfortable. So it tends to be kind of more responsive through the body. And then if we're talking, we're talking about more how I receive information myself, it's kind of through the third eye. Um, so my ability is that I channel information. And basically all that means is, you know, you go to a place, you receive information in your mind. I call them downloads. It's just like thoughts that become introduced that you know don't come from you, and they produce images almost like you would if you're in a daydream. So if I asked you, Philip, like, what did you have for dinner last night? You might have to kind of go there in your mind, like, what did I have? That's kind of how the process feels like. So it's not this magical, mystical experience like TV likes to show us. It's it's a very internal process the greater part of the time. And if your energy is blocked, like, so is the solar plex where the intuitive energy is? Like, what can somebody do maybe to, you know, block some of that energy? Obviously, you're a Reiki teacher, so maybe going to Reiki. But from your point of view, like, what is, how do you clear the energy bands to really help that intuitive energy flow through you? Well, there's a couple things that, that we can do. We don't have to go to an energy practitioner for this. And I think that that's another myth. Um, that we are all natural healers. You know, if we look at someone who, you know, falls down and skins their knee, what's the first thing that a child or an adult would do is we, we grab the knee and we hold the knee and that's because it makes it feel better or sometimes we'll rub the knee and that's because we're natural healers that can make ourselves feel better. So again, it's about empowering people how they can do that. Um, so everybody has, you know, I would say some of the tips um, is lots of self-care, you know, like if we're feeling blocked in life, um, we can also work with the chakra system, which are the energy batteries of the body. So we literally have hundreds of chakras in our energy body, but there are seven main chakras that I activate when I'm doing work. So one of the things I tend to recommend are chakra clearing meditation activations and again there's a host of those on youtube that you can look at and uh, i myself am in the process of putting together a program um, where a lot of the information that i want to provide will be free of charge just just to help people you know just to give them some tools awesome yeah it's amazing that you'll provide content for free to help people develop their ability to read their or clear their energy and read their intuition a little bit more. Absolutely, yeah. Nice. Wrapping up, is there any last words you want to leave the audience with? You know, I just want to, you know, just go back to the beginning of, you know, there's always going to be stereotypes attached to the different kinds of work that we do. And the more open and receptive we are to different concepts and different abilities, the more open we are to life. So, you know, you just always have to stick by what resonates with you and allow that to be your compass instead of what society dictates. Awesome. I really like those last words to wrap up there with. If people want to find you or contact you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The only way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is maxinefriend.com. And I actually have an ability where you can book, on, you can check availability on my online calendar and you can book there as well. Awesome, Maxine. Thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate you sitting down with me.
Thank you so much for having me. It was a real honor. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Maxine Friend. I hope you took away some pointers on how to tap into your intuition a little bit more. She shared some tips on how we can all use our intuition a little bit more to guide us forward in our lives. Secondly, Maxine talked about transitioning from the corporate world into her career as a psychic. That was not an easy transition. Transitions are never easy. And I hope there was some valuable information there for you because as we transition to new chapters in our lives, there are going to be pain points and struggles for all of us. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, jump onto my webpage. You can join the email list there at philipsprinsky.com. Have all the episodes sent directly to you. And if this episode resonated with you, I ask that you share it with one person who may need it. Thank you so much for tuning in today and I look forward to having you as a guest next time.